This is Shame on You, our unapologetic guide for giving zero fucks. I'm Jordan. And I'm Brad. Now let's get a little weird. I want to be a proud gay man. My parents were always like, oh, why don't you find a nice yeah. girl? I don't know. You're scared just for of me. Boom. Just admit it. Okay. I why forgive them the for bum that. Bum? Why are you looking at the bum bum? No, I don't look like that. <laughs> oh, God. So we're recording on Thanksgiving Monday. Brad, what are you thankful for? I'm thankful for this podcast. <laughs> Give me something better. <laughs> uh, oh my God. Are we, are we doing this? The blanket. Yeah, we got our tune blankets in the mail today. And it's like a warm hug from a boyfriend that doesn't exist. Yeah. 15 pounds? Yeah, I tested out the 15 pound one. It's actually quite nice. I to just have like lay under it naked. And a that's weighted like a- thing on top of you is nice. Yeah. yeah. It's like... You know what? I probably shouldn't say anything bad. <laughs> no, just my general thoughts on weighted blankets in general. But, you know. No, don't say anything bad. I'm a sellout. We got a shell now. So we can't oh, do that. Um, we'll give you... Actually, we'll give you our full reports on the weighted blankets. We'll be trying them out for a few weeks. Yeah, once I... We're like, both actually in the clinical in depression yeah. <laughs> at the moment. So <laughs> it'll actually it's be... Not a great. Great <laughs> it's not great. It's not great, everyone. <laughs> Times are tough over here at the podcast house. <laughs> Live from clinical depression. <laughs> shame on you it's like you know how like women's like periods like link sync up it's like you and i are our moods are like i know i just i I think we just need a vacation away together i think that would really like lighten our mood i want just like a vacation where i just like really like don't do anything like i just want to lay by a pool and like maybe go on a hike but like no stress nobody bothers me where can we do that Oh, we probably get it like one of those like last minute vacations. I mean, we're supposed to go to Chile. Anyways, this is super boring for us. <laughs> Fast forward. This is Shame on You podcast. I'm Jordan. And I'm Brad. Um, So it is Thanksgiving Monday. Canadian Thanksgiving. Yeah. I don't know. What, I, what am I thankful for? Oh, my therapist. She is She's done wonders for something. You. She's really good. Actually, Paulo said that he noticed that I didn't yell. Like he was he, he was late as usual. Um, which is a, a behavior that he should correct. That's correct. not on me. But yeah. usually I just lose it. And he's like, you were just so calm. You're like, no problem. I'll be waiting in the car. And I was like... That's so unlike you. Oh, for sure. I know. What's happening? I know. I'm loving it. Um, so I was actually in... Um, the other... I think it was on Saturday. I went to the mall just to get a sweater. Uh, I went to the Tea Baker, my fave. If they ever want a sponsor, I am a walking Tea yeah, Baker. you ad. are. 100%. Um but I went to Abercrombie. I was walking by. Okay, so they changed it. Have you seen it at the mall? No, but like, first of all, I know. why? I, at some point, it, it, I mean, it's a juvenile brand. It was, apparently. But I always like their rugby shirt. So I was walking by and I was like, ah, shit, I, I, I want to get a rugby shirt for fall. So I mean, the headache I get in there from just the cologne that they constantly oh, they don't spray do that in anymore. the fucking air. They don't do any of that shit. So I walked by. It's completely different the outside. It's like gold. And you know the stores used to be like that black and white look? No. Nobody's nobody's greeting you outside. And I don't know if this is just like the woke liberal left-wing orthodoxy has now, the termites have spread and we are not allowed to have hot people. That is too offensive. I'm triggered. So there are ugly people we in there to, now? Well, we have to pretend everyone's, there's no social hierarchy in, in society oh, now. Right. We have to pretend everyone's beautiful to everyone. Uh, they used to call their sales people models. Oh, they're not. It is filled with sexes walking around. Which is fine, but nobody's going in there for the fabrics. 
I'm going in there for two things to get asphyxiated by cologne in my nose and to stare at the beautiful sales stare at the like late teen cock I mean that's working there I think it's been like probably 10 years since I've even stepped foot in one of these places you wouldn't even recognize it you you would walk it kind of looks like a like a higher end old navy now I walked in and I was like and so anyways the clothes I forgot how awful the clothes are because it's been a long time but I bought actually a quite a nice sweater but I kept kind of like looking around for some hotties and you were like, no, nope. not one. They almost have like a reverse hot policy now. Like, like you, they, the anti model. Yeah. There's a couple people I'm like, are you lost? I think you're supposed to be in the back folding sweat. <laughs> Keep that out of here. <laughs> oh, man, that's so offensive. But <laughs> I mean, it's true. But it's like, that's what they're known for. But I, but I read this article that said like they, their CEO got in trouble because he was like, yeah, our store is like for hot people. Um, I don't think it's for hot people. It's aspirational. It's like it's like all fucking models. Nobody like, looks like uh, yeah, a model. Every brand uses attractive models. There's nothing to be ashamed of with that. Like it's something But you know someone took over and the woke the woke left came in and said, We cannot have hot no more no more hotties. I'm uncomfortable. So I walked in and there was no and the change rooms are completely different. They have um like it's well lit I don't know now. I'm shilling for them. I mean they should pay for this at this point. They have like you can select your lighting in the room in the there's four options and they have radiant sun is one and like different it's like nightclub lighting in there there's a thing to charge your iphone what it's like they fixed on? who's spending that much time clothes and the hotties who is spending that much time in there that they can get a, an appropriate charge on yeah, their iphone exactly and bring or bringing your cord with you oh my god well everyone does these days yeah anyway so i'm not happy so i think i'll have to go to hollister to jerk off now in the change <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you were doing before? <laughs> Sir, do you need another size? Right. Yeah. You need the iPhone charging cord in there? <laughs> I actually want to go to Hollister now to see if there's... Well, apparently, the same that, company. apparently it's also changed. Yeah. Oh, I like was reading articles that it's like now also... Like it's rebranded and it's going to be the next big brand. Hollister's? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know. It's always a big deal overseas like people mm-hmm. overseas love abercrombie and hollister remember in south america yeah people love it people love people the love gap. it remember? because it's like a sign that you've traveled to just so america i guess it's such a whitewashed american brand it's a status symbol yeah i don't know it's absurd anyways anywho thank you to you guys that uh sign up for our patreon those of you that didn't you're dead to me um yeah a bunch of you signed up we'll uh be giving you the rewards and you'll actually be getting this episode a day before everyone else with no ads um and uh i didn't mean to do this when i called that tier the garrett but garrett signed up for the garrett garrett. signed up i didn't mean to force him to but he did he did 14.95 of course he did he's so sweet and so he signed up and a couple other people actually signed up i was surprised um so uh the rest of you you don't listen to the new york show and it's never going to be free, guys. It will don't never don't be free. sit around thinking that all of a sudden we're going to change our minds. No, this is a two tier podcast now. <laughs> Anyways, I also want to give so a shout out to my friend Jason, uh, who listens to this podcast, who's running an event on November seventh. This is our uh, pro bono give back to society. It's called Fluid. It's an immersive, sex positive evening fusing health, art, and tech to challenge what you know about HIV. Um, again, one of those descriptions where it doesn't really explain the event. No idea what to expect. Sounds great. Uh, I'm happy to support the cause, but oh, it's taking place November 7th at a secret warehouse location to reveal the week of the event. Okay. Fluid is a fundraiser for ACT, Canada's largest HIV service organization in the city. 70% of its users 
our service users are gay, bi, queer guys who continue to be the most vulnerable to new HIV infections. Tickets to the event are $50, but shame on you listeners can get $10 off their ticket by using the promo code shame on you. Uh, go to thefluid.ca to get your tickets. I will be there. Brad will be there. Don't get weird. Just because we're telling you we're going to be there, don't get weird. And I think maybe that'll make more people go. But like those of you that were at the drink this weekend that were pointing at me with your friends. At the what? At the drink? The drink, that bar in, in the village. What is that bar? I don't even know that You've bar. You've never been there? It's like no. it's a new bar. It's above, uh, above the Rippers. Oh, whatever. Anyways, there was a bunch of guys there that were getting weird, like what I asked not to, and they were pointing at me. And yes, they were like, there he is. There's that little bitch. Jay Power, that cunt in the flesh. So next time you can come up and say, hi, guys. You don't have to be weird about it. That's all I have to say on that matter. <laughs> Are you okay? Did you take mushrooms? <laughs> no, I didn't. It's just the clinical we, depression is pushing you into... We were hole. talking about starting to take mushrooms, microdosing every day. Someone but, in my life is taking them and like, yeah. glorious results. And I'm, yeah, very intrigued by the matter. Oh, and also, if you want to learn about magic mushrooms, you can go on Patreon, subscribe. We have an interview with a guy who takes them. Yeah, the Hungarian experiment. That was actually, yeah. Or you can just continue to be a non-contributing jerk to the podcast. All right. Oh, we got an ad read. <laughs> I'm in a mood. Do you remember the days when you were always ready to go? Yeah. Now you can I'm timing inc- this so you don't go to second over this ad read. <laughs> now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. Bluechew.com. That's blue, like the color blue. Bluechew brings you the first chewable with this with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know that they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. You can ad lib. You don't have to be such a robot about it. Is it am I being a robot? Yeah. And That's what people like. That's how you sell it. And since they're chewable, they work <laughs> up to twice as fast. Okay, just read the fucking ad if you're not going to ad lib well. Whatever. Go on bluechew.com. 20 seconds. Use the, <laughs> use the promo code SHAME yeah. to get a free shipment um you all you have to pay for is the shipping and unfortunately to our canadian listeners it's only available in the u.s that's it that's it yeah thanks glenn you know what they they re-signed with us yeah because the whores really bought up the stock apparently yeah people are listening and they are a buy-in yeah so buy yourself a tomb blanket while you're in the interim okay we got all that out of the way okay we got an email from these ones are always the best, the Middle East emails, because you know it ain't good over there. And you're obsessed with them all. One time I had to fly this Middle Eastern airline when I was connecting, and I didn't realize it was Saudi, the Saudi Air. Have you ever flown on that? So why, would I have sound, why would I have flown on that? I don't know. I was getting on this plane, and the whole time I'm thinking, like, I was terrified just as a gay man, because, like, I'm flying on fucking Saudi Air. And I had this, this vi- vision of, like, the woman like asking her like how the in-flight entertainment works and she's like we there's none for you sir we just throw there's just a stoning we just put you in the middle and throw rocks here good lord <laughs> can i get a blanket no uh, no but here's a burqa to choke yourself with you dirty little faggot <laughs> am, I in, am i being offensive <laughs> no yeah. no comment yeah so anyways this is an email from saudi arabia uh <laughs> Was that even that bad? It was pretty bad, but anywho. I was I also remember I will have add even I'm just gonna pile on with the offensive. I was gonna add that like I while I realized it was the Saudi air, like while I was boarding, I was trying to make myself like more look macho. Like a, yeah, like look like a straight man, so I like blended in. 
Like I was just born the plane, like being like, mm, love me some pussy. Like I just honestly had my shoulders. Like I was, I just didn't want to be noticed. Don't you have these fears? You think well, if I drop in the middle of Saudi Arabia, you're going to be like, oh. Well, I've never just dropped myself in the middle of Saudi Arabia. So I haven't actually <laughs> thought of this. <laughs> I've never <laughs> considered how it would act. How do we have a Netflix someone... show where we just drop you into Saudi Arabia? <laughs> the backpack. Have you not seen like Idiot Abroad? It's basically that. Like not homosexual abroad, but yeah. Idiot Abroad <laughs> is basically this. It's the dumbest person ever just gets dropped in the middle of all these countries. Like, not in a parachute. No. Oh. But that's what I vision. It's oh, like you three, wanna, two, one. And we just in a throw fucking you. rainbow parachute? Yeah, rainbow parachute. Like, douse you in glitter, and we drop you in the middle of Saudi Arabia and see how long you can... Uh, how, how long would be I'm great. pretty resourceful. I'm pretty sure I would figure it out. What would be the first thing you do? Eat a pussy? No, I'd roll in the sand to get rid of the glitter. <laughs> and then what are you going to do with your parachute? <laughs> I don't know. I haven't thought that far. We got to get high for an episode. I feel like you're high today. It, I don't know. I'm just, I actually feel like I'm in a, just in a good mood because therapy's like working with me. So I yeah. just feel like I'm like, life is good. I mean, it's not good. It's On not- paper, a lot of things aren't good, but it's good. I mean, in the grand scheme of things. Life yeah, is I, I'm, I'm, I'm finding the gratitude. Whew, anyways, that was a little bit of a rant, but um, ain't flying Saudi air. I'll tell you that. Okay. Uh, hello, Jordan and Brad. I'm blank, but you can call me A for the sake of the podcast. Don't tell me what to call you, all right? I'll call him... What do we call him? I Arnold. Uh, Arnold? Okay. Yeah, I'm going to call him yeah. Arnold. It's a pretty Saudi name. I would like to say I love your podcast. Oh. And I look forward to it every week. I'm from Saudi Arabia. Love your airline. And it makes me feel alive when I listen to two gay guys talking about things I relate to in a country where gay issues are hardly ever discussed. I love each of you for their characters. Brad, you are a sweetheart. Am I? And so kind. I don't know that anyone's ever described me as a sweetheart. He actually gave you an exclamation point on the kind. That's nice. Jordan, you are wonderful. And despite all the internal issues you're having, you come off... (laughs) You come off very confident and just lovable. Exclamation point. You both make me laugh so hard. I stop listening to you while I'm at work because I burst out laughing too loud too many times oh i would love to get your advice on something i'm 26 years old and have been dating men since i was 17 i find jordan's conversations about his personality how he used to date guys when he was 25 too relevant i like to think i'm a very nice guy i have always been attracted to older men i have the idea that older men are mature and would not do bad things to me well i was wrong Looking back at my dating record, I have been lucky to date some very nice guys who are wonderful to me. However, a lot of other guys did not appreciate my time, effort, or attention when I was genuinely attracted to them. Hold up. Is, how's the Saudi gay dating scene? Am I being ignorant here? Because I, I remember Grinder said, like, you don't if turn you, your grinder on. If you carry on, like, I think he talks about him, like, moving back and forth from the U.S. Oh, or okay, something. Whatever. Okay. Is it, it's worth mentioning I'm not favoring those over the guys who are nice to me. Each relationship ran its course and ended naturally. I studied in the U.S., had to relocate. Ah, gotcha. I've come to the realization that I'm too nice, in quotes. In the last two years, I've had no luck in continuing to see someone that I wanted to keep seeing. Most guys go quiet and stop talking to me or only talk to me when they want sex. I feel you, girl. To which I stupidly agree to sometimes. I always told myself I don't do drama, but then I realized I should have voiced my feelings or opinions when I didn't. When I did all the nice things only to be used and abused for my forgiving attitude. I don't know, that word sentence kind of went on. 
when I made myself too available and men took advantage of me. Meanwhile, I was swallowing my feelings and telling myself, don't be that drama queen. This is casual. It's just sex. You're not in a relationship together. How can I value myself more and get to where you are today? I am tired of being used. I find myself getting too fed up and going off on someone. I don't want to build up all this negative energy inside of me. Thanks, guys. Love you. Arnold Palmer. What you got, Brad? Arnold Palmer. Um, there's a lot to unpack there, to be honest. I don't even really know where to start. Okay, I got a way but to start. What is nice? This is what I was thinking about when I first got this email. Because everyone had, there are universal uh, opinions of nice. But sometimes I find like people that commonly sometimes what someone would say nice, those aren't the people who like, yeah, on the surface they're nice, but they might not show up for you. Like, there's people that I know that, like, are kind of cunty, but then at the end of the day, I know they come through. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's nice. Mm -hmm. Whereas that, like, fake pleasantry surface nice is more what's palatable to people and more common around So what? what is this man? Is he the surface nice or he's actually nice? Well, he doesn't know how he comes off. I mean, I think he's probably, like, warm and intelligent, but lacks assertiveness. And that's the problem. Mm-hmm. Um because here's the thing and i'm sure you felt this too because he kind of alluded to younger dating when i was 25 i was very emotionally available and men got obsessed with me you and i would always talk about this yeah that's not a reflection on me being great that's men self-selecting and like it's chasing what you can't have exactly exactly because it's scarcity is higher and people want to just basically model previous trauma with me and self-select an emotionally unavailable partner and that's why i couldn't get guys off of me because it was like my value okay, was relax. higher <laughs> you couldn't get them off of you okay <laughs> relax it was like a barn relax <laughs> it was like a barnacle on my anus <laughs> i couldn't get off um so anyways this is what i feel um this is might be not the best advice but I think it's reality. Um, Nice people always treat people well and people don't always deserve to be treated well. And there is something about too nice because the problem is if you do something nice for a person always, then you're always rewarding everything. So then like sometimes people don't deserve their behavior to be rewarded. So it's like for you, it's like, you know, you're someone who gives a lot, but then it's like, if you're always doing nice things for people, you cook them a nice dinner when they're not being a good person, their behavior is rewarded. And And, they expect that in the future. right? And what you don't realize they're doing in their mind is they're devaluing you because you're so available. It doesn't become special. Right. That's the problem. And this is something I've talked with my therapist like on multiple occasions where I'm fully guilty of this is like, I put, so much into the other person when maybe they don't always deserve that. So yeah, it's like, I can relate to this guy on a lot of levels. Um, I've since kind of changed that behavior and like definitely been more conscious of like who deserves my energy and when, um, because yeah, that's, and ba- and that is in that way, it's, it's boundaries because it's like, they have bound the other person that's maybe not treating you the same. At least they have boundaries to say like this, this is be rewarded. This can't be rewarded. If you're always just giving, giving, giving the boundaries are not there. Yeah. And I think also like 
like breaking down like from a primal perspective and a psychological perspective, there's an abundance of something, its value goes down in society. And when you're easy to get or there's no thrill for a person, your value lowers. It's it's the theory of scarcity. Um, and you might be like overly attentive and giving too much. And it's like, and our brains naturally start to drift or start to devalue that. It's not great, but it's, that's life. It does happen. Um, I also wanted to touch on like his use of the word drama queen because that kind of annoys me. Um, someone says you're crazy. Well, also that, but like when someone just calls you dramatic for expressing your opinions and your thoughts, like, no, like that's what sets literally humans apart from the rest of the animal kingdom is we can communicate our thoughts and feelings that's what makes us special. Like if someone accuses you of being dramatic for voicing your opinion, they're the problem. Mm-hmm. Not you. I mean, obviously there's no, ways. No, I've had guys do it to me. I know what you're saying. Obviously there's ways in which to communicate your thoughts. Um, and you can do it in a calm and, and temperate manner. It doesn't have to be constant. Yeah. Yes. But don't let someone accuse you of being dramatic just for talking about your feelings. Mm-hmm. That, that, piece of his email like really struck me because i was like no like maybe yeah well and he it. also correlated age with maturity which is a big error um, huge error yeah age yeah. is literally just a number i've dated people much younger than me that are mature i've dated people much older than me that are immature mm-hmm. it literally is a number yeah um but i think kind of the silver lining of this is that like I don't think, like, you know the saying, like, nice guys finish last. I think when you're younger, um, nice guys do finish last. But I think, like, over time, as humans beings mature and become more self-actualized, I think nice guys tend to win out. Because over time, like, and especially me, like, someone tried to neg me. You know what negging is, right? Mm Mm-hmm. If you don't know, look it up. I'm not explaining it. <laughs> not in the mood. Uh, you were in a great mood 10 minutes ago. What happened? <laughs> Doc, Dr. X is like, remember when she said I can't regulate my emotions? I'm up. I'm down. Um, uh, so like now I don't go for the bad boys because I associate them with such pain and such waste of my time. You'll never win. Someone tried to neg me the other day and I was like, oh, the... I have self-esteem now. You could have done this to me like seven years ago and I would have been sucking your D. But this is like, I just like looked at him. I'm like, yeah, that's no not thanks. like a good strategy. Like actually, I just want to feel safe. I want to feel safe. I want to feel secure. I want to feel like the drama is lessened and I don't want this. But, you know, I th- I don't know. I, I The other thing about this guy like to remember is like, because sometimes you, you have to also really think of it from your own vantage point. You're not just attracting these men. You're giving off signals to probably more desirable and more fitting partners that you're not the right choice for them. Correct. Um, and so you have to remember what give, what you're giving off. So what we've established is you're giving too much. You're you. There's a lack of scarcity. You're too available. You're giving too much, and their brain's starting to walk run away. So I think for him, it's just like be honest. I think when you start dating someone, this is a tip that Doctor X told me your your frontal cortex is distorted so your judgment's gone so when you start dating someone you should immediately turn to a neutral third party whether that's a friend or a therapist and give them to give you like a assessment of the situation uh because you're a mess mm-hmm. your judgment's off you're i'm falling in love i'm crazy in love that 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 kind of nonsense and it is crazy um so 
I think that's it. And I hope you don't construe this as us telling you to basically be a jerk and to be emotion available. But I think study a little bit about human psychology. And even if you're in like partners and really loving relationships and laugh, like I know people in really long-term relationships, some of their complaints is that my partner is too available to me. There's no spice. There's no variety. We've lost the chase. Um, unfortunately, we are just, we're not that evolved as animals. So see you on Saudi air. <laughs> Ladies, if you could just put your clits in the overhead compartment. Oh, that's, good uh, lord! <laughs> I can't wait for the hate. <laughs> I'm just provoking it now. I'm just provoking it. I'm just telling the truth, people. It's too much, though. Sometimes <laughs> you love it. I do. If we were recording, you'd be laughing a lot harder. Uh oh, we have a guest. We do have a guest. Yeah. So we are sitting here with uh, Reverend Daniel Brereton. I got that right, right? Okay, good. Welcome. Uh, this is our first priest. Our first on priest. On the podcast. <laughs> uh, recommended to us by a fan. I can't remember his name, but he knows who he is. What's the difference between a priest and a reverend? Uh, reverend is a title. Uh, it, means that you, it generally means you've been ordained uh, in, in a certain denomination. Uh, Catholic and Anglican churches use the term priest. Uh, more Protestant denominations tend to use minister or pastor. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I'm not up on my religious education. No, That's but we're going I kind here. of like left the church. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, we're, we're, we're both ex... You were growing up Catholic, right? Yeah, I grew up Catholic. Yeah. And like, I stopped going to church, I think, in well, grade actually, nine. The funny story of when I, uh, my mom... Uh, one day asked me, you know, probably when I was like 21, I had gone off to university and kind of, you know, become idealistic and you're like you're free thinkers. And uh, I started just like really like getting into religious studies and kind of just like, you know, different people like Christopher Hitchens and stuff yep. like that. And uh, I remember one day my mom said to me, uh, we're going to church, like you're running behind or you're going to be late. And I just like, I just sprang at her and go, I'm not going. Mm-hmm. And I'm she was going. just like, why? And I had written a three page essay about why I was so dramatic <laughs> so dramatic but i wanted to be able to like uh, you can articulate it at least yeah. yeah and i like put this whole essay together and i remember my mom was just like looks at me and she just was like rolled her eyes like i'm not dealing with this yeah and then she kind of like a couple more times asked me to go and then i could tell she was eventually just giving up um do they still go my mom goes sporadically. I mean, I think she tries to, and this is the one thing we want to talk about. You, my mom has a like a lesbian daughter and a gay mm-hmm. son, mm-hmm. and she's a Catholic church, and okay. she tries to resolve still that thing where she wants to have some sort of a faith right. and, and does believe in God, right? Um, but really struggles with um, resolving the, the two. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I'm, I'm obviously that's like a theme of what I want to talk about with you today. But sure. I wanted to kind of talk about as like a non-believer mm-hmm. to kind of open this off, like. Sell me God. That's what I want to think. Not that it's something that has to be sold, but um, yeah, so what does faith I don't, mean to you? Like, well, what and it brought I to your don't life? think of faith as a product to sell. And, and I think that's part of the, um, I mean, I think that's part of the whole problem with, with how it's been, uh, with how the church has handled it is that it, 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 it's almost like it's a product that we're trying to sell you and, and whatever gimmick can get you in. Uh, and I mean, for me, it's, it's, it, I mean, this is going to sound a bit cliche, but it is, it's more, it is a relationship. And, um, just, just as it's difficult for you to describe to someone else, 
a relationship you have with someone, why you love that person, what, what it is you have with them, how you communicate with them. Um, it's just something that you experience and, and from the outside, you can't, it's really hard to articulate to that, to someone else. That's, that's how I see faith. Um, I can talk about what it does for me and, and, and my challenges with it and, and what I get out of it, but it's, it's hard. It's not something I can package and, and hand to you and say, you know, if you try it, this is what you'll get out of it. Yeah. And I think for me, oh, there's my phone, everyone. We'll edit that out. Um, (laughs) So professional. When people are packaging it, so many of of those that package it, it's like the commodification of faith, especially in the United States. Um, Do you struggle with seeing sort of these like, they almost become personalities where the ones with the private jets and stuff like that. Oh, the, to me, the that celebrity pastors. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't really sound like Jesus used to be. <laughs> no, it's 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 a lot of. I mean, it's a lot of that comes out of what we call the prosperity gospel, right? And and which is, which um, goes very well with Western capitalist culture, right? It's 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 you know you 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 take this, uh, you have this faith, you belong to this church, you believe in this God, you do these certain things, and you will be blessed with wealth and everything that you want. And the problem with that is that the the correlative part side to that is that, and so if you're poor or you're struggling or you're not, you don't have everything in your heart desires, then God isn't blessing you and God must be pissed off with you. And there must be a, you know, the problem is you. It's not the system. It's not the society. It's not the inequality. It's, it's you. Um, and also me having all this money and private jets and everything, there's nothing wrong with that because God wants it that way. Otherwise I wouldn't have it. So I have, a, yeah, I have a huge problem with, with that type of Christianity and how much, I mean, you see this, it, you cer- certainly see it in Canada as well as the United States, but particularly in the United States, the, I think the, what's the, how do I say this? The confusion of Christianity and, and and America, you know, that to be, you know, to be a patriotic American and that the American dream is the same thing as following Jesus. And, and they're not, you know, um, that is like my biggest problem with like us politics too, is like, they all bring religion into play. Like, right. But often it's more, it's, it's like, almost like a, um, you know, a mascot, you know, you know, it has nothing to do with the values or the teachings of the gospel, but it, but slap a cross on it and, and drop Jesus's name in it and it gives you credibility credibility. And so much of what I have a problem with is the people like the evangelical groups, what, how they behave is so unchrist like, mm-hmm. like, like filled with hate. They aren't big on climate change. If you love God, wouldn't you want to preserve the planet? Uh, no, because, uh, because it's, it's in God's hands. And right. if, if the earth is destroyed, that's, that's, that's part of God's of plan. It's and not because that, of our human impact. Oh no, no, okay. obviously no. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, I'm big on saving the planet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And then it's like, uh, uh that group loves AR-15s. Mm-hmm. God loves assault God loves rifles. assault rifles. Right. And, uh, you know, and then obviously the issues I have with their intolerance of homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other things I, I wanted to ask you about is like, Resolving uh, science and religion. Mm -hmm. So what I have a problem with is I don't necessarily have a like personal problem with what anyone believes at the end of the day, but when it starts to kind of infringe on what I feel are kind of someone's areas of uh, that it would affect your daily life, essentially your human rights. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but like for me, some of the scientific stuff is like, for example, like I remember George Bush was in power, Mm -hmm. um, 
it, it prevented a lot of the stem cell research right. from moving ahead. Right. Um, and that has real ramifications on a glo- probably a global scale, not mm-hmm. just you know in the U.S. And these are sick people that could have possible solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, and it holds back. And and you but know many, doesn't want that. many other areas of science. Are, are there's particular areas of science that you have trouble with? Not only just your religion, but in general, where you sort of say like that doesn't really work with what I believe. Um. Hmm. I mean, I think it's, I think there's, there's interesting questions to be asked around, um, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big believer in stem cell research and, and, and all that, that they're doing with stem cells. Um, there's a lot, my husband sort of works uh, a lot with, um, knowledge management and he's doing a lot of stuff, uh, a, a lot more stuff with AI, you know, artificial intelligence. And so we have some really interesting conversations and I'm not against the technology or anything like that, but there's some, I find that, you know, some scientific advancements do raise ethical questions around like, so what, um, like cloning, for instance, like what constitutes a person and, 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 and who owns the rights to that DNA. And, um, so I find that from my perspective, from my faith perspective, I don't tend to sort of just say no to something, but it, it does, I may ask some ethical questions about it. Um, and it's really about how it, how is this affecting the whole people? It's not just about what's good for the church or Christians or, you know, um, but I can't think of anything sort of any particular area of science that my faith has a problem with. Um, I mean, I know there's a lot of, I've had arguments on, on social media with people who sort of, because I'm, you know, very pro choice when it comes Does the to Trump the, people call you the fake priest. I saw yeah, yeah. 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 Fake and, priest. Uh, yeah, which is because <laughs> you're not racist. <laughs> everything, everything is so fake. Yeah, they, they know. And you're open and fakes. accepting. Yeah, exactly. I don't want the kids in the cages. Come on, no, yeah. fake. you can't be a real priest. You're yeah. fake. But that, which is sad. I mean, that tells you something about what their assumption is about Christianity and what how Christians should should feel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we I was having a discussion on the other the other day on Twitter, and it, and it sort of came up about about abortion rights and and pro choice versus anti-choice as I call it, not pro-life. Um, and I, you know, it's very clear that I'm pro-choice, um, and you know, the upcoming Canadian election and how I feel about, you know, um, you know, whether Andrew Scheer would open up the debate again on abortion rights. And, um, and a, a number of people were really, you know, including people who had followed me for quite some time, uh, who I would have thought knew where I stood on most things. And they were quite shocked that I could have any other, you know, position other than pro-life because I'm, I'm a priest because there's a reason for the conception. Like, right. Yeah. So you're okay with murdering babies. And I'm like, well, okay, so let's have a deeper discussion. I I don't see necessarily abortion as murdering babies. I, you know, I do draw a line between a breathing infant and a fetus and, 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 you know, and I think people also, this is the issue. People want to make things very black and white. And, and, you know, on that issue, for instance, I could say, I'm not pro-abortion. I I think it's always tragic. I don't think anyone's really pro abortion. Yeah, yeah, no, no one's saying running that's a great going, idea. Yeah, yeah, let's have an abortion tonight, yeah. you know? Like nobody's nobody's cheering <laughs> what that on. What a party. On, right? What a what yeah, a beautiful no. Saturday night. Editing this out. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, nobody's saying that, but but I do and this is this is the whole thing around church and state and the and and the place of religion and politics, right? I mean, I really do believe that that while my own faith may may influence how I vote and and you know, the the political values I hold, I'm not going, I don't think I can impose that on an entire multicultural, multi-faith, 
you know, population and assume that everybody else should live by the same rules as me. Um, so I may, and I mean, I say this as a man, that's never going to have to face this, right? So I think that also plays into how much my opinion should count on this. I'm never going to have to face an unwanted pregnancy. Um, but you never know. You never know. Yeah, you know, that could be some yeah. technology these days. You <laughs> yeah. never know. These days. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, I'm never going to have to face that. But but I I do think that even if I uh, wouldn't choose to have an abortion myself, um, I don't feel I have the right because that's my faith to impose that on every other woman out there. Right, and that's kind of what I was alluding to earlier is that um, it's fine to believe certain things until you start infringing on other people's lives, and it's not just abortion; it's yeah. you know homosexuality, yes. many yeah, other yeah, issues yeah. where you're passing judgment. And what I have a real problem with is like we were talking about the McCray game thing is uh, he had this inability after causing so much pain to people and potentially suicide or yes. fast-tracking depression of those people. Yeah. Um, he had this inability to detach himself from what, because I, I, I know he still wants to hold his faith, mm-hmm. but he was he was had trouble really denouncing. And one of the things I had the problem with is he kept going back to the idea of, I don't want to say what's a sin. Mm-hmm. And the very concept of a sin is what I have a problem with, right. uh, especially when it comes to sexual agency or, mm-hmm. and, you know, and I'm obviously a heightened as a gay person. Mm-hmm. Um, the concept of these are these rules mm-hmm. and this is what I deem to be a sin and they can, they're highly subjective and they can differ among different religious groups. Mm-hmm. Um, and now because I, I think that's a sin, I'm now going to affect your life in the following ways, whether that's the abortion, the stem cell research, right, the homosexuality. Right. And it's like, it's not like people are siloed with their faith. It always has to become everyone else's faith and everyone. And and so for you, it's just like, do you find that you want to, you know, recruit people to your religion and your, and your way of life or no, you don't want to ever. I I, I don't see recruiting as my job at all. Right. I mean, that's, you should tell the Jehovah's. (laughs) (laughs) Or the Mormons. They won't stop. (laughs) Um, Do you, do you ever feel like there's uh, even with your own parishioners or whatnot, do you ever kind of hold them back and say, you know, it's fine to believe what you want, but like let other people live their lives? Oh yeah. I think that's, that's a, I mean, I think that comes out in, in, in a number of my sermons, you know, it's, it's the whole, I, I think, I think that I, and, and this comes out of my experience as a gay man too. I, I think that, um, and my own experience with religion in that oppressive way, um, I think it makes me very sensitive to how religion can be uh, an oppressive force and, and used to impose things on other people and judge people. Um, and so I'm very sensitive to that. And so I tend to sort of constantly be be promoting the idea that you know this this is not a you know what our what our faith is about is about loving and including and helping and serving and that includes people you may not agree with and that includes people you may not have anything in common with and it may include people you even dislike but that's that's the gospel right you know that's that's Jesus not just gra- gathering a little group of like-minded people or around him and saying, okay, now we all feel the same way and we're the right ones. And now let's everyone keep else everyone else out. Because yeah. that's exactly the kind of religion he was fighting against. And those were the very kinds of people who were constantly, uh, you know, against him. It's like, so, why, why are you eating with, with outcasts and sinners? You know, it's mm-hmm. clear that they are not following the rules. So why would you, why would you allow them into your community? And, and I think that's, for me, that's the whole point of Christianity is to give up the, the moral judgment and the place of superiority. How is that interpretation different from other streams of Christianity? Like 
Catholicism where like, it's not okay to be gay. Whereas you obviously are a gay priest. Yeah you're married, whatever. And that's acceptable here mm-hmm. in this stream of Christianity, but mm-hmm. over here, no. So, I mean, you know, just as, just as there are arguments between people who are not, you know, people who are, who have, do not have faith and are not part of Christianity with Christians, there's lots of arguments within Christianity too. And, and I think this is the other issue that I tend to have with sort of the, the evangelical right that tends to speak on behalf of all religion and all Christians and all believers, you know, and, and they don't speak for, for everyone. I mean, there's the, the church is not a monolithic thing, even within Catholicism, you know, there's it's very I, much like the gay community. Yeah. Too. There's yeah. lots of people I know who, who would have, who have no problem with, with gay people. I know lots of priests who are gay themselves or, um, you know, something comes from the bishop to, you know, you must read this out about, about same sex marriage or about, you know, about abortion. Um, and I know lots of clergy who just kind of quietly put that at the back and if parishioners want to take that letter when they leave, they can, but they're not going to read that out because they don't personally support that. Um, and you know, so it raises questions like how do you continue to be part of an institution? I was going to ask you that. Yeah. That (laughs) it was like about to come out of my mouth. Don't support, you know? And I, and I think, I think that is, um, and I think that's a very personal thing because, Um, you know, for, I'm in a church right now that is okay with me being gay and being married and, and it's sort of heading more and more in that progressive liberal, uh, direction. Um, which, where is your church for anyone that would like to attend? My, well, I, I live in Toronto, but my church is in Mississauga at yeah. Dundas and Cothra, St. John the Baptist Dixie, 719. <laughs> Dundas Street East. Um, but even, I mean, even within my own congregation, you know, it's like, it's, it's like I'm welcomed and so is my husband, but not everybody is totally a hundred percent comfortable. There's still some that are struggling, but they're willing to struggle. They're willing to sort of keep walking together. And, and I've watched people grow and change because of that relationship. One of the things that we really struggle with this podcast is, um, the concept of struggling, right. like in the way that you, the context that you had outlined it there. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we uh, one of the frustrations I have as and as a gay person is that we're always having to be almost excited when someone throws us a bone. Is that like yes, we're yeah. we're we're marginalized? We're not quite at equality, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't think people understand what it's like to feel aggrieved because um, they just got to start at full equality yeah. in terms of heterosexuality, yeah. and we all, we have to be like. You know, and it happens with so many of our guests. Be like, yeah, my mom's a t- a, like tolerates me, but like she just doesn't want me to have to bring a boyfriend around at right. Christmas. Right. And I call it acceptance with conditions. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's tough because... Which isn't I, really acceptance of those conditions, right? Exactly. Yeah. But for you, it's like uh, being part of being gay men. Mm-hmm. That wasn't something we really opted into. Mm-hmm. But for you, it's you've, you've opted, let's say opted into mm-hmm. this faith. Um, you're surrounded by people who are, you know, struggling how do you approach those people with kind of an open heart where I would personally have my backup to mm-hmm. say, I don't remember the point where your love was up for debate. Right. But they also have a choice of whether they want to continue to attend yes. or not. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't yeah. just mean parishioners. I mean, also, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, colleagues. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and some choose not to struggle, <laughs> you know, either, you know, uh, the, the gay person or the, the, you know, the LGBT supportive person who's like, I'm not going to be part of this institution anymore. You know, I'm not going to give it any more of my time or money. Um, 
because even in the changes that have made, it hasn't gone far enough, right? So, so they may opt out. Then there's others that are like, you're going to start letting gay people get married. I'm out of here. Um, and they have that right. They, they have that choice. Did um, they vocalize it to your face ever? Um, I mean, in the Anglican church, I find we're all way too polite. So no, okay. <laughs> generally, no, they just quietly slip away. And, uh, um, undertones though, are, oh yeah, it's vicious. clear. There. Is it yeah. noticeable? Like when someone's like, when you're like, oh, that person yeah. isn't here this week. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think, I, and I mean, I think I, when you grow up gay, you get sensitive to this, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're, you get really good at, you walk into a room and immediately you're sort of, Am I welcome here? Is right. that, is, you know, who would be comfortable? It's who a would... heightened fear response. Yeah. And sometimes you see things that aren't even there. Oh, and you Because project. you're so, exactly. Totally, yes. Because you're so paranoid. I had a moment I talked about on Instagram the other day where I thought this guy was making fun of my lisp. So I got super angry because it reminded me of my, the trauma of my childhood. Turns out he had a lisp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like I immediately had my backup about it because. Yes. I'm just, you're just used to it. You're used to the paranoia. Well, like I was, I, I, we were talking about this before about, you know, new parishioners coming from Africa, right? And, and how I immediately assume they're going to have a problem with me as a gay man because of where they come from. So mm-hmm. my own bias goes into all that. And but then, it's rooted in reality somewhat. But, but there's it a is. reason why, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but it's know, also an unfair assessment before you get to know someone. You're just like, well, this yeah. one's not going to like me. And I think, so I think that's what I, I bring. I, that's how I try to keep an open heart and an open mind is, is I know that I'm judging them as much as they're judging me. And, you know, um, I mean, my, my husband and I had had these conversations because when I, when I first went to the place where I am now, I mean, it, it wasn't as open and there was a lot of pushback and, you know, and he, he works, he works in the secular world, right? He works in a, in a company where it's like, he doesn't have to put up with that and there's laws protecting him and, um, and nobody would, nobody would make him feel uncomfortable for being gay. Um, and well, probably a few would, yes, but you know, he, he, they wouldn't get away with it as much, you know, um, they certainly wouldn't be the minority or in the, the majority. And, and so, you know, he said, I don't know how you put up with this and why do you, and why, why should you? And you know, my only, my only response is because, you know, and this is where I'm going to sound all Jesus-y and, and religious, but it's, it, bring it on. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but this is my only response water. is because that's, I think that's what I'm being called to do. Understandable. Yeah. You know, I, I think, you're putting up with the. I mean, everyone yeah. has to put up with a level of BS. We'll call it. Well, I mean, we, you know, we, we're. It comes up in. It comes up in scripture readings. It comes up in sermons. Like love your enemy, and and we say that so blithely, and then all of a sudden it's like you actually have to do it, and and that's when you're sort of like, oh, you were serious. Like I actually have to, and and that doesn't mean so. Let let yourself be beaten up. Let yourself be used as a doormat. Let yourself. Let your dignity be. Um, called into question. I mean, I think you can maintain that, but at the same time, be open to someone and say, look, um, you know, we could both learn something here. And if you're willing to walk with me on this, um, you know, what I always find is that, that people change people's, people's minds don't change until their hearts change and their hearts don't change because you can argue them into it. It's, you know, I've never won anybody over to my side because I managed to debate scripture well enough with them. It, people change their, their minds because they continue to be in relationship with you and in relationship with my, my husband and us as a couple. And they, and they start to question their own prejudices themselves going, you know, he's not what I thought, or I, I see the love. You humanized it. Yes. All of a sudden you, it's harder to demonize and it's harder to just make you an issue or a political stance. Um, and, but that takes a lot of work and it takes time and it, and it, and it takes, a willingness to let the person 
judge you and make you feel lesser than and keep going back to them. And sometimes you can't do that, you know, and, and it, it, you know, it, 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 I, not everybody can do that and not everybody should. Yeah. No. One of the things I, I, the problem I have with religion and especially doing this as like a very sex positive podcast is the mm-hmm. concept of like sexual shame. So a lot of the religion I like grew up with was that like, if you had, didn't have an intention to procreate, right. the sex it was itself sin. was a sin. Um, and it's like kind of like a level of There's no other purpose for sex. Right. Yeah. Of course. And it's like <laughs> suppression as a gay person. Like we're always, uh, treated like we're, uh, impure mm-hmm. is what I would say. Yep. Um, And I kind of looked up some stuff here. So, like, you know, 10 Muslim nations decry the sex penalty, decree the sex death penalty for gay sex, gentle mutilation to lessen Mm -hmm. sexual enjoyment. Mm -hmm. Uh, This one gets a pass a lot. Jewish culture, male circumcision. I have my many issues with that. But it's Mm -hmm. like you sometimes religion and I don't know if you specifically have experiences, but it's like young people are taught that there is an ingrained shame in them for being sexual human beings that yes. sometimes they have to go through their whole life kind of deprogramming mm-hmm. from that. Do mm-hmm. you feel like you, when you were younger, kind of going to now that you had to deprogram yourself to now? And is there any sexual shame that you kind of still hold as a gay man? I mean, I, I have to say, I think I, I was very fortunate in that the, the church that I grew up in, uh, and, you know, my family wasn't super religious. It was sort of, you know, you went Christmas and Easter and a few other times during the year. And, um, but, you know, like the Sunday school teachers I had, the, the priests I had, I never, I did that, the, the purity culture thing uh, wasn't, wasn't a big part of that. I, I never, I didn't grow up with the message that uh, my body was a, 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 a dirty thing, that sexuality was a dirty thing. There was, there was some sort of hesitation talking about sex, like, you know, I mean, I grew up in a white sort of British household. Like, you know, you didn't talk about sex, period. Right. Any, anyone sex. Um, so there wait, was wait, a, why don't you have an accent? My parent, my, my, where my parents came from. Oh, okay. That, that the <laughs> culture, yeah. I thought you were from the UK. <laughs> no, I can Whoa. fake it if you like. But, uh, yeah, bring it on. The whole time it was just a fake accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I, I don't think I had to deprogram myself from a lot of that, but I Is certainly... Is that more of a Catholic thing then? Like, well, we, did you, you grew up Anglican then. Yeah. Okay. So... I, yeah, I think I think my church was a little bit was a little more liberal about that, um, uh, and and the particular congregation I was in, you know, I mean, I I know lots of people that grew up in the Anglican Church who had just as much sort of shame thrown at them as anywhere else. Um, so so in, to some degree, I didn't have to deprogram myself from a lot of that, but I certainly have seen that, and I see the damage that that does to people, and I. <laughs> I mean, I think that Christianity as a whole has a long history of struggling to be able to talk about sex, to be able to talk about bodies, um, to, there's almost like a, you know, this whole, like, you know, the spirit is good, but anything physical is dirty and sinful and bad, which is so ironic because we're actually, we're also the only religion that claims God became a human being and took on a human body, like the whole incarnation. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, to me, it's, it's always been so weird that, that a religion that is so material in some, in many ways and in its doctrine also struggles and demonizes the physical so much. And that's been the culture of Christianity since St. Augustine, right? Who had his own hangups. Um, and and I, think, I think there are streams of Christianity that are certainly letting 
that go and, and, and doing a lot of healing around that. But there's, there's a lot of work still to be done and there's still whole generations of people. Um, you know, I see this, especially in people who came out of either the Catholic church or the evangelical churches where shame, sex, sexuality and shame, even for heterosexuals, um, was so tied together. Um, you know, like the whole purity culture where, you know, you, the purity ring, the purity ring, the like brothers yeah. when they were like, gonna, yeah. Like, and and, and they, like girls promising their virginity to their dads until it gets yeah, handed off to yeah. their husbands. And I'm just like, I mean, that, that is, is so, so cringy. cringy. And like, also like uh, people yeah. put it on a pedestal, like, oh, it's such a good thing to hold out for sex until marriage. I'm like, that sounds like a terrible idea. Like to not bad at it. Not only that, yeah. but like, yeah, you have to have a sexual relationship with your partner before you decide to spend the rest of your life with them. Right. Yeah. And it's just, it's very, it's strange that you would think that that was, that'd be like a virtue, mm-hmm. like virginity would be a good idea. And mm-hmm. it always kind of roots itself. But one mm-hmm. of the things I said to you is like, when we were doing this podcast, I mean, I always have my backup about religion, especially yeah. doing this podcast is because when we get the emails I and mean, we've got hundreds of emails, uh, mostly the theme is rejection from family yeah. and over 90%, I would say upwards, probably 95%. Mm-hmm. It always has roots in religion. Yeah. And this is why, uh, LGBTQ plus youth have become so disillusioned with religion is because they associate it with pain. Totally. So what do and you, judgment. and yeah. judgment. So what do you say to like a gay person that comes to you, whether that's, through your church or just mm-hmm. meets you. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I know, like, what do you say to them where they're getting all these messages from their church? Right. How do you reverse that? Like, what do you, what, what kind of, how do you approach that? I think the first, well, um, I think the first thing that you do is you just, you just listen and let them hear and, and hear their story and honor that. Right. You know, um, uh, and just the fact that you, just the fact that I'm a, a representative of that religion that is listening without judgment, I think starts the healing process. Yeah. A lot of people just want a sounding board at the yeah, end of the day. Yeah. And, and I think a lot of people, you know, they, they may have rejected religion or, or, or the church, the institutional part, but you know, they may still, they, they may still want to be connecting with their, their spirituality. Um, and I, I just think it's a shame that, that we force people to sort of divide themselves. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. it's like, if you accept your sexuality, uh, then you, then you have to reject your spirituality. And if you, if you want to be a spiritual person, particularly Christian, then you must reject this part of yourself. And, and I think it's about just honoring the whole person. Um, so, I mean, one of the things I've learned not to do is is to not immediately cancel out their, invalidate their pain and their experience by saying, well, not all Christians are like that. Mm-hmm. Because that is true, but that doesn't have anything to do with their experience, right? Um, it, it isn't about sort of saying, well, just then leave that horrible church behind and go find a nice liberal church. Because even in a liberal church, you're still surrounded by all the same symbols, the same words, the same the same narrative that carries all that weight. And, and that's going to be really painful for people. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think everybody's healing process is different. I think some people have to just completely reject it and, and step away from it altogether for a period of time or forever. Um, I think other people find their way back to, in, in, a, in it as themselves in a way that they're more integrated and so they can find a place within the church. Or they switch faith. faith. Yeah, or they switch to a, a different denomination or a different faith altogether. Right. Um, I wonder if, if so many gay people that are just sort of say they grew up Catholic, right? And they mm-hmm. find that largely to be intolerant of homosexuals. I wonder mm-hmm. how many of those just sort of conduct a Google search because mm-hmm. that's honestly what I would do if I needed to be religious. Mm-hmm. And I found that 
added value in my life, I would probably do a religious search. I mean, it'd be great if you guys want to do like a marketing campaign, right. SEO or something. <laughs> That's what I do That's for a living. Cross selling right now um, <laughs> is uh, is something I would literally Google like most tolerant religion right, or most yeah. tolerant church. That's what I would do. Yes, because of, yeah. and and what are I know like could, the United I, Church is pretty. Well, open. I did a little yeah. bit of research. Actually. Anglican. There, there are there are actually websites that that will list churches based on right. on that. Yeah. So here's this pew, pew polling that was done in 2014. So the the largest offenders um, are offenders of intolerance. Intoler- like, so they they polled uh, the parishioners and or people that follow follow the faith. And so the the biggest offenders are 74 percent of Jehovah's Witnesses mm. reject mm. homosexuality. 55 percent of evangelicals. Mm. 57% of more Mormons reject it and 47% of Muslims. The most accepting is what do you think? Uh, uh like Donna particular Donna. denominations or like yeah. mainline liberal Protestants? Uh United Church. Particular d- denominations, I guess, all the religions in the world. Uh, I'm blocking it so Brad. Oh, see Buddhists? It. Yeah, Buddhists. Yeah, I was Buddhist. gonna say yeah. Buddhists. Eighty eight percent. Yeah. What uh, do they get right? That everyone else has a problem. Is it just because it's not in their scripture or what? I think because there, it's not, uh, and I'm not an expert on on Buddhism, so I. That's why we brought you here. <laughs> yeah, please don't write in uh, if you're, you're a Buddhist on and I get this wrong. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I think I think one of the differences with Buddhism is it's not it's not um it's not a so much a doctrine based church or a doctrine based religion, I should say. It's it's um it's more about practice. And I mean, this is one of the things I love about Buddhism is that it's more about living right. And, and I think the monotheistic faith, Judaism, um, Islam, Christianity, you know, rooted in the Bible or in, in, in a holy book often make religion first and foremost about belief, believing the right things. And out of that, you will live a certain way. Um, I think a lot of the Eastern religions tend to sort of start with you know, live it, you live a certain way according to certain values and that, you know, your, your beliefs are drawn from that. So it's, it's less rule-based. And I, I, that's m- m- one of my main issues with religion is almost, um, creates a culture of tribalism yeah. and that there's this concept of like outsiders Yes, and that those that don't fit within your religious beliefs are outsiders or, mm-hmm somewhat the enemies in certain ways yeah if you're if you're the saved or you're the you're the righteous you have to know who the unsaved and the unrighteous right. are and right it's like and avoid certain, those people certain yeah. gods are inferior so like how do you live in a world being a religious man mm-hmm. where you try not to feel like other people's gods are inferior and yet they are at odds with each other right because mm-hmm. if there is like i guess it's sort of like if there is a god uh then which God is it? Because all these different who got denominations. It right. Yeah. Who got it right? <laughs> who got it right? None yeah, of us. That's the thing. None of us. That's got what it right. I'm saying. Like, what, how do you know which God is the right one? Cause I know there's multiple gods. There's, you know, there's just so many concepts of what people think is God. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously spurred a lot of, you know, wars and whatnot. But yeah. And I think, I think religion, I, I also think, I think historically, um, religion gets used, uh, as a, as a justification for war and um and even not, george bush yeah lately remember he said like mm-hmm. god wants me to fight this war you know it's, yeah. it's in god's plan i'm like god does not want you to bomb iraq yeah like yeah. as less and less people believe in like as more and more people are becoming atheists like how do people use that as a tool going forward like people are just going to stop mm-hmm. these giant wars because of that kind of 
Yeah, I mean, I've never, I've, I, you know, I sometimes people will say you just get rid of religion and and everyone will get along fine. That's not true. I don't think that's true either. I think within the human, we have other human flaws. Being, yeah, we'll yeah. still find reasons to be to tribal fight. and to fight yeah. and to and to be greedy and I want what you have and, um, you know, and I think in that case, religion becomes a very or has been a very easy thing to use as as a sort of a rallying cry and even you know, even so-called religious wars haven't really been about religion. They're still, it's they're still ultimately else. about who controls the land or who has the money, who has the power. Imperialism. Um, yeah, yeah. But God is a really convenient rallying cry. Cause how do you argue with God? And if God is on our side, then how can, how can you not think you're right? Problem is, is everybody claims that God is on their side. And a lot of dictators have, you know, calling it to God as being totally. you know, what inspires them. I yeah. think anybody can just like pull on that concept of God. It's like, oh, it's God. Right. That's, yeah. Uh, God speaks to me. And, how do you and argue also, like, that? yeah. So the other thing I want to talk about is this concept of like God speaking to me. Right. Okay. So I want to, because one of the movies I love is Bill Maher's Religious. I don't know if you've seen it. Yep. yep. Might be sinful. Yeah. No, I'm um, sinful. <laughs> but he says that, um, if you told someone that someone was speaking to you, mm -hmm. they would put you in a mental hospital. Mm -hmm. But when you insert religion to say you're hearing voices, right. um, then that's fine, uh, permissible in society. But uh, so I guess the concept is, and I know you're going to probably say this line because I've heard it before. God speaks to you in other ways. Mm -hmm. I knew it. I hear that one all the time because I hear this criticism like lodged and then right, people yeah. say God speaks. So you're like going to send signs. He sends signals. You're saying more things in, happen. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so answer that. And then I have a follow up question. Okay. I, well, I, I think you answered it for me. Um, <laughs> I think, <laughs> um, no, I mean, you know, I don't, I, I haven't had visions. I don't have like, you know, I don't, I haven't heard God speaking we in a did voice. We were on acid, or, I'll tell you. I know. Well, it was a religious. He thing. came and, out of the sea. Yeah. People, you know, I, I, you know, you, you read like, you read the, the, the mystics and their, their, you know, experiences and you think, okay. And, and, and today would, would we have put you into a mental institution, mm -hmm. you know, or would we have put you on some kind of medication to make those visions stop? Right. Um, I Even mean, the way that the scriptures are written is he spoke to them through their head and then they basically were writing them. Yeah. Or, and which, a lot of, I would much. be like, you're crazy. Yeah, Someone and, said that to me. And I don't think that's actually how scriptures were written. Right. I mean, I think people, you know, say that. I think, I think people had experiences reflected back on that. Um, and and discerned what they thought God was doing through that through the experience through their own lives and through the experience of their community. And I think that's what we still do. And um, you know the the scriptures kind of give us it's one way that God speaks. You know, like how do I engage with that text? How what is it saying to me? How how am I interpreting it? Um, uh, how does my interpretation stand up to the interpretation of the community and the tradition? Um, that, that I've been handed. Um, how is my own experience influencing that? I mean, like how we understand what scripture, what, how I understand what scripture says about s homosexuality, you know, that I find everyone has a different definition. Well, That's yeah, so I mean, there's like, the, there's what the traditional sort of take on it has been, for, which is what in, in your opinion, the, that, that the Bible it's says sin. it's a sin. You shouldn't lay, with, not lay with another yeah. man. Um, and you know, but then, yeah, there's 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 the lived experience of of people like me that that has made the church in at least some churches kind of question that and say I think we need to understand that differently. I don't think maybe that or that isn't what God is calling us but to do today. But isn't that also not to interrupt? But isn't that also just um, from a marketing? Because I had a, I have a friend of mine a, market, like, a marketing, marketing standpoint. Hear me out. Hear me out. So 
it is still a business, even though it has been hasn't been commodified in a way that like someone has to pay the hydro yeah, yeah, and no, pay the totally, rent. Totally. Um, I have this fr- friend. I use the term friend in very loose quotes, but Michael Corn. Do you know who that is? I yes, I know him yeah, quite well. I mean, how could you not? He's pretty loud. So he used to be a friend of mine, and I had a real problem when I worked at the radio station. He used to be a guest on. Is he used to always do this to me? He would say essentially, "Love the sinner, hate the sin." Right. And I would have to turn to him and say, there's nothing wrong with me and stop saying there's something wrong with me Yes, because you do not see the carnage of that sort of language because I date those men yep. and those men are the ones that kill themselves and yep. those ones and you don't understand that just that flippant language mm-hmm. has real ramifications. I need to get you, angry. And do you know that he is, he has completely changed oh, okay, his views but here, on that? This, yeah. this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> okay. So I turned to him one day and I said, you know, Michael, this isn't a great marketing plan for the next 20 years for you Mm. and he was like what do you mean i go your crowd's dying Mm. and if you're going to continue to make an income or make an impact on this world you have Mm. to shift with the times and i think that's so much of what this religious shifting is is that it's basically a social shift Mm. and i think part of that is you run the numbers and you look around you go you know uh, if we keep you know, being intolerant of homosexuals, this isn't going to be great for the bottom line. Yeah, that's stuck with him. Except that that's that doesn't actually work out in terms of the numbers because the churches that um, and this is where this is where the uh, the more conservative churches will often argue. You know, like that the churches that are are more liberal and have become more accepting are still the ones that are dying more quickly. They're not getting new people mm. rushing in because we've suddenly become okay with gays. That's interesting. Um, you know, I think I think people are like. That's great. I'm glad you're not oppressing people anymore. But that hasn't resulted in suddenly so many more people joining our churches. But only. But that's also because popu- homosexuality, LGBT plus, makes up less than five percent of the population. If you right. think about that, so right. that's not really going to make a huge impact. And a large percentage of LGBTQ youth, I was looking it up earlier, it's very low. Mm-hmm. Are are you know, have some sort of religious denomination. Well, and I think that's reflective of, of youth altogether. Right. I mean, um, but I, I, you know, I also think that that plays into, I mean, there's lots of, there's churches that, that I think have been very slow in, in making, in moving towards greater acceptance. And, and some of the slowness has been fear. You know, it's not about, Oh, this would be a great marketing shift. It's quite the opposite. It's like, You're how many people are we going to lose? Yeah. Right. Um, and, and, it, and you know, the reason the, the experience has been, you do it, it, it to, to become more accepting, to allow women to be ordained, to be more accepting of, of gay people. It, it never results in churches doing better. It, it always costs them huge. It, it also costs them because, because the conservative religious people base. also tend to be the most committed and give the most money and tithe the most. And, you know, and so you lose those people. And I think that, I think there's a lot of church leadership won't admit this, but I think that plays a lot into the decision to, we know this is what we should do, but it's going to cost us. And are we willing to pay that cost? Well, I think for in the Michael specific example, he was so far right. I'll say right. But yeah. He was so on the fringes yeah, yeah. in the sense that he really was intolerant of homosexuality. Mm-hmm. Fast forward to two years later, he's in the pride parade. I mean, give me a break. Mm. I, no one changes their tune. Like, yeah, I'm a little bit extremely. cynical, but like I've also worked in the media business for over a decade and I know people are selling a brand. Yeah. And for me, that felt so disingenuous that you would go from hellfire to I'm in the pride parade. Normally there's right. a little bit of a gradation where you where you move and you say, you know what, I was a little wrong, but I'm not fully there yet. But for me, it was just like, he seemed like, oh, especially in Toronto, am. here yeah. I am, I need right. to sell some books. Right. Um, and that's why I had a real problem with it. But and I think he did, 
it was so funny because it was honestly like a year before I just said that comment to him and it, it kind of like stuck in the office mm. Mm. and part of me has to think not necessarily you, you but the commodification there has to be a little bit incentive where you go okay this isn't going to work for the next 20 years because this right. generation has done out and you might not be the most 100% but they're still stakeholders meaning you might not get gay people but you can't alienate their friends that right. go to the church. You can't alienate the the extended family go to the church, their coworkers. Yeah. And well, that's what happened point. to us. Like when I came out, like my entire family just stopped going to church. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they were like, okay, you don't accept him. Like there goes your network of other people. Right. But you know, I, you know, I, I might, I might argue. I'm not you can saying, argue. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, that's I, what this I might, is for. I might say that, uh, that's, I might say, well, that's, that's the work of the Holy Spirit. So, you know, you know, like whatever, whatever's making the church do the right thing, you know, even if it's costing them, even if people within the church are unhappy, I think, you know, um, people, people rising up and leaving and saying this is wrong and we can't support that. To me, that, you know, that is God at work. You know, I think that is justice at work. That is love at work. It's, it's someone saying that my love for my son or my daughter is more important than my devotion to this institution. Mm-hmm. And that I would see God in that. So yeah, this kind of leads into the next concept I want to talk about. So this idea of like human agency versus God, mm-hmm. right? So you think about it and people are so quick to see God's beautiful ways when something nice happens. Mm-hmm. Um, but the second that there's cancer, drought, war, they're so quick to just ignore and say, no, that's not in God's hands. Where do you draw the line? Like, And how do you resolve that as what you do is you can see such pain in the world mm-hmm. and think that there's this overarching omnipotent being that's essentially, how much of a role does your God play in that everyday plight of those people because i would have a real problem with seeing young children starving at age two mm-hmm. yeah like say, what did they do that to is in god's that. plan yeah. well i don't think it is god's plan okay i would i would i mean and, and i and I, again i would argue uh Go that ahead, yeah. there are certainly christians who do see uh negative things happen and, and say that that's god i mean you know look at um anal sex basically <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know. I, I do it. I'll tell you. <laughs> Is he shouting out for Reverend? God? I don't know. Um, but you know, like, uh, what's his name from the Seven Hundred Club? The Pat Robertson, right? Oh yeah, like, yeah. You know, 9/11. like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Or you know, there's a hurricane. It's because of all the gays. It's like you know, there's there's there are Christians that will see destruction and death, and you know, as yes, God planned that and God wanted that, and it's always because somebody else is suffering, right? They don't see it for their own suffering. Um, but I mean, I don't, I from my my faith perspective suffering and death and and destruction and and pain and disease that none of that was part of god's plan for the world that that isn't how that that wasn't part of what he programmed into it that all that stuff is a result of what we would call sin right which is is human beings making choices that are destructive, that are selfish, that lead to other choices. And, you know, we don't, we don't just suffer for our own sins. Like, you know, I don't just suffer because of the things I do wrong. I suffer because of things, other people, other choices. How is that fair to you? It isn't fair. Yeah, It isn't fair. But I think, you know, I also believe, I, I believe in a God that also allows us um, human agency and and free will because the the nature of our relationship with God is is one of love and you can't force someone to love you it has to be a choice 
So that, you know, if someone is going to choose to love, they also have to be free to choose not to. Um, so in our freedom, I think we, we, we make choices. We put things into play that have destructive ramifications. But then what about the two-year-old with the cleft lip or the micro penis? Mm -hmm. Like what does that, what does that serve? Well, you're automatically assuming a micro penis is, is a, is a <laughs> devastating. Fiddle, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it kind of is not a Who's great way. judging now? I yeah. am definitely judging. I, I mean, I think I'm just being honest. I don't think most people are signed up for a micro penis. Yeah. But, but, but I, but yeah, that's what it's like. It, it's like, what did the, I don't know. It's like, because I always think of it this way, and it's like if um, if God has some sort of control, then if there is all these problems in the world and God, he or she is not intervening, then would not that not make a God some sort of like sociopath, that they are not intervening in the pain? But, but then... You, They're you, causing the but, pain because of your... But then what did the two-year-old with the cleft lip do? That's what I'm Maybe it was punishment for their parents. Maybe it was punishment for their parents. Yeah, I think or, that or I, like, I, I think that, that we also want um an explanation. But yeah, I think we we also want a direct cause and relation all the time. And that's part of our desire to control. And that's you know, it's like if we know who's to blame and 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 what caused this, then we can um keep it from happening. And I and I think I think there's there are things that happen in the world that, that I don't I don't have an explanation for, and, and I, and I don't just sort of, I don't make the offhanded remark, well, it's part of God's plan mm -hmm. because I, I know that's not of comfort to the person who's suffering. Um, and it, but, but I think, so I may not have, you know, the, 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 the little girl with a cleft lip, I mean, the micro or the micro, yeah, or the micro penis. Don't forget the micro. Yeah. Don't the forget micro about penis. The, micro the little penis. boy, the, the, the micro penis, person yeah. with the micro penis. I mean, it's a genetic thing. It's mm -hmm. a biological thing. I don't know what go, went into the DNA of the parents and where that came from. Um, but it probably, you know, it, it, it's, it, that's, that's, that's unfortunate that that happens, but I don't think God is up in heaven going, that's what I wanted, you know? Um, and, and I made that, that happen micro to teach that little child something. I don't, I don't think, no, that I don't happens. think you think that I just, it's kind of like ooh, the concept of, but heaven. why should God intervene there? But then we also want God to like, leave us alone other times, you know what like I mean? What other times? Well, but like when I'm eating ass, well, but, but what I mean is like, is that, is, is that don't do I don't that. want a God. I don't think I want a God that that's, that's, treating the world like we're all just puppets on a string and just and is is, is but then why would you pray? not giving that's you my, that's what it confuses me that's what i've never been able to get over it's like what are you praying you're praying for a response but then at convenient times that god is not intervening that's the problem i have it's like well then what is the purpose of prayer i think it's it just a conversation uh, i think the purpose of prayer is to sort of put yourself more open yourself more to um to your own heart to what the heart of god is and on the in this situation so so i think prayer is always about it's not about moving god it's about allowing god to move you so you know what am, what am i how am i to respond to the situation and it may, may my response may simply be i need to wait and i need to be patient and i need to accept or i need to intervene i need to do something um i need to change my my way i need to uh i need to give something to somebody i i think i think people who pray and this is where the whole thoughts and you know thoughts and prayers thing has yeah, been don't get me started well and 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 should be demonized it should be should be you know ridiculed because it's very it is, progressive of you because i don't hear that well, often I, I mean i i i do but it you know within my circle i mean i i, I see a lot of clergy that are just as frustrated with that because it because it it minimizes what we see as a very powerful thing. And that prayer is not just something you just, you know, oh, I'll pray for you. And 
And and then what? It feels and dismissive. Yeah. It, and that's exactly what it is when people say that. Um, I'm not here to like actually provide help and action. I'm yes. here to just yeah. Yeah. Here yeah. are my thoughts. Yeah. So my you know, my my thought on that is that is that prayer is about is about opening up yourself to what God's thoughts on this situation are. What would God have me do? Because I think that's how God always intervenes is generally through human agency. Um, I think God can intervene in other ways and does, but, but how God is going to interview in other ways isn't, isn't up to me anyways. I have no control over that. What I do have control over is what can I do and what does God want me to do in this situation? And so prayer is not about trying to move God, uh, and, and hand God a list and say, here's what I want you to do. It's really bringing a situation before God and saying, this is upsetting me. This is worrying me. I'm concerned about this. What, what should I do? What can I do? What can be done? Who can do something about this? Inspire me with, with those thoughts. Did you ever pray that you, like, to, like, that you would not be gay? I, no, I never have. You I never, never have. Did. I totally did understand you? people who did. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Sure I did. I've, I tried everything. Yeah. Yep. I remember Googling ways to not be gay right. after I gave up on the prayer. Right. I literally would Google. I mean, I'm probably sure con- conversion therapy probably came up a couple times. <laughs> um, but yeah, so when did you realize that you were gay? Or we call it different? Different. Sense? Different. Um, really early on. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I, I mean, I yeah, it's hard to it's hard to answer that question because it's like I knew I knew I was different you know, really early on, it ju- you just get a sense of like, I'm not interested. I just don't seem to be responding the way other boys seem to. I'm not, I'm not liking the things that other boys are supposed to like. I'm not, I'm not. Yeah. I just, I, from an early age, I felt like being a boy was this role and I, and sometimes I was good at playing the role and sometimes I wasn't, but I was, all, I was always, I always felt like I was playing a role. I was never just being me. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and then as I got older, I started, you start having crushes and, and, and all that kind of stuff and realizing, oh, everybody else seems to be having crushes on girls. And I, I'm kind of looking at guys the same way. So that's different. And as you know, children are really, children are really smart. They, they figure out very quickly what is making them different and that different being different isn't a good thing. Did and you have notable, something you noticeable signs that you were gay? Like I'm in terms of your mannerisms or whatnot. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mm. think, um, I still, <laughs> I still remember this. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how old I was, maybe like six or something, six or seven. And uh, one of my uncles came over uh, and was, we were sitting in the living room with my parents and I came in and I sat down and I think I crossed my legs and my uncle just freaked and said, you know, boys don't sit like that. And you know, and I, oh wow. yeah. And I mean, you know, also it kind of crushes your balls sometimes. Well, yeah, so yeah. Too, I mean, but yeah. maybe my, maybe my balls. Maybe he's worried about you. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. worried about your procreation. Yeah. Abilities. yeah. I wasn't particularly worried about that time, but yeah, that always, that stuck with me. And that, so that, that right away crystallized like, Oh, things I naturally do aren't okay and aren't allowed and, and actually aren't what boys do. And, and from that point, I was very aware of, I became super like hypersensitive to like, okay, if I do this, is that, is this okay? Is this what boys are supposed to do? Is this going to make more people realize that I'm not the way I'm supposed to be? Um, so yeah, I, I always found it easier to be friends with girls than boys 
because I understand, I, I seem to understand them more. I seem mm-hmm. to share more. Well, it's still comment. like that for a lot of gay men. Yeah. Too. Um, and you know, and then other boys would start to notice that like, you know, I, um, my, my dad coached hockey. I, you know, I grew up in a small Ontario town, so every boy played hockey. My dad coached, my mother was a figure skating coach. My sister figure skated. I played Yay. hockey. Well, Yay. I played hockey and then I, and then I started figure skating as well. And I was doing both. And then my parents were like, we're living at the arena. You got to choose something. And, and I, I wanted to figure skate, um, because it was more artistic and creative and, and also it was less violent. It was, it was, it was more, and it was more just about me. Like if, if it's I screw up, yeah. And if I yeah. screw up, it's my own fault. I'm not going to have parents coming teams. in and screaming at me in the dressing room kind of thing. Um, but yeah, like, you know, got, I got teased by, you know, I'd be coming off the ice from figure skating practice and the hockey teams would be coming on. And so, yeah, I got, I got teased for that a lot. And, um, but I always, you know, my parents were very supportive and, and I never, I Did never feel like they knew before um, you came out. Mm, yes and no. I, I, I had a feeling like when I, when I came out that it wasn't a big surprise, but I'm not sure. Like that feeling I got was, are we going to talk about this or not? If we're not, that's fine. But, um, but I, I mean, I was, I, I dated girls. Um, I had, I was engaged for a year to a woman who my parents loved and my sister loved. And so I think, I think when I came out, like I broke off the engagement and then obviously, and then came out. And I think, I think that was the hardest part for them was they were okay with me being gay, but they really were sad that I wasn't going to get married to her and that she wasn't going to be part of our family. Um, and I think like a lot of parents, their, their struggle with that was, uh, what does this mean for you? Like, I, I'm fine with the fact that you're gay, but the world isn't going to be. So, and then also, did they inject religion in that moment when they, when you, so when you came out, your parents are Anglican, I assume. Yeah, yeah. At, when you came out, was there any undertones of? Um, only, only from my father, who was the one person in the family who never went to church. My mother went to church. My sister and I went to church. Do you think he cleaved on to that as like a way, a reason for denouncing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't, I don't think they're looking for a reason. He he just wants a masculine son. He had never worried about what God thought or or anything before, (laughs) but anything. Right. And then all of a sudden I just, I just remember. And it was, he's like, I'm religious now. No, it was the only time (laughs) that he was ever negative. Like he, I I came out to him and he was like, and he did the whole, you know, it's, it's, the Bible says it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and no, Steve. And I was God. like, get a new line. And that's if, what I thought. At least if you're going to denounce, like stop <laughs> using the like line on the bumper sticker. I think it was fairly new at the time. Like yeah. it, was, it was more original, but maybe he started um, it. Yeah. Yeah. He, but yeah, I, that was the only time that he ever brought religion into it. And then uh, after that, it just, it, it just was never an issue. And then what made you want to go into like priesthood or whatever? What made you want to be more involved in religion? Uh, I think just, you know, I, I, I went through university. I, um, I had started going back to church myself and I, and I think, I think originally what drew me back to church was I, I was, it wasn't so much spiritual questions, but just, I think I was missing home and I was missing. And, and to me that was a community. Yeah. And I knew if I went, you know, to a church in the, in the city I was going to school in, it would be very much like my church at home. And so there would be this connection. Um, and then I, I was, you know, like in many churches, I was like the only person there that was under 60. So they glommed onto me right away. And, uh, and I got involved in, in helping with stuff and just, I was coming to the end of my undergrad and I was thinking about what I was going to do next. And I was thinking about teaching. I, I worked in a, um, 
in a drop-in center. So I knew I liked working with people and I was really good at counseling and I wanted to help people with their lives. Um, but, but also my sense of God and, and faith was growing. And so the priesthood and, and being in, and being in ministry just kind of kind of brought all the things that were really important to me together and the skills that I seemed to have. I did a lot of drama and standing up in front of people and classic. Yeah. Being able to talk and, 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 uh, those triple style cows up in front of the, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, <laughs> gives me, it gives I me, why I know that move. They always say on the Olympics, triple style cow. Triple style cow. That one. <laughs> I could do a double. Uh, <laughs> could you really? Oh, that's so cool. Did you, so was there a period where you had to, uh, so you go into the priesthood, mm-hmm. are you out? Like what, how, Talk to us about like the transition between going into yep. it, coming out, and then also a secondary coming out, I guess. So I came out in seminary, uh, which wow. was awkward. Um, my To say the least. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, got, it gets better. I, my first boyfriend was a priest um, oh my. who had broken up with his girlfriend, who was the daughter of the bishop. <laughs> so I like to messy. do things as dramatic as possible. Right. Um, and, and it was really interesting because those three years of seminary, which is where I, I started to come out and be more public about being gay. Um, like I, it was funny cause I, I, I often talked about sort of living in a double closet, right? Like with amongst the church people, um, I felt like I had to hide my sexuality, but then I'd go out on a Saturday night with friends to a gay bar and people be like, Oh, what are you studying? And, and I'd be like, Penis. yeah, like, yeah. I'm like, I can't, Literally. I cannot tell you what I'm doing because so I felt like in the gay community, I had to be in the closet about my faith and about being in the church. But wasn't also part of that because gay guys just immediately, and I'm one of them, have their backup about like, oh, because I think a lot of people have a problem with uh, a religious gay man because they think that, you know, you're a, tra- a traitor. Yeah, per of course. Se. Yeah. I'm sure there's undertones of that. Not, you know. And it's different. But but at the same time, it's 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 the same thing. You're still worried about rejection and and prejudice. Mm-hmm. Each each community has its own prejudice for its own reasons. And I would say the gay community has far more reason to be prejudiced against religion right. than the church people have to be against the gay community. But at but at the end of the day, it's still the same thing. I'm not going to be accepted by these people because of what they assume from this aspect of myself. Um, and you know, the other thing is is I is some of my biggest support came from the other, uh, the men and the women that were in seminary with me and my, my professors and the priest who was at the church that I did my, um, that I was, did my placement at, uh, I, I quickly found that, that there were lots of people in the church who were completely okay with it. Um, they knew that, that a lot of the church wasn't, you know, and they knew when to be open and, and about it and not. Um, but I, I very quickly realized like, okay, there could be a place for me here. Um, uh, and looking back, I mean, at the time, I think I said this in my, the other interview that I did, but, um, Wait, excuse me, you did another interview. There was no interview. Yes. Yeah, so <laughs> the you, only podcast. That's the exclusive. Cut that out. Um, but, uh, you know, looking back, I remember at the time thinking, okay, I'll get ordained, you know, I'll get, I'll get, I'll go to a church, hopefully that's fairly liberal. I'll have a boyfriend. We don't, we won't live together. Of course. Everyone will know that he's my boyfriend, but we won't talk about it and we'll all be okay with that. And that will be like, to Settling. me, yeah. And that to me was the best I could possibly hope for. The idea that the church would ever be at the point of openly accepting gay people, uh, blessing our unions and allowing you to actually be married and to introduce this person as your husband and live together. Like I never thought that would happen in my lifetime. And so, here we are. And here we are. Mm-hmm. So... 
Yeah. So then you, this, is it this man that you decide to marry? No, I've went through lots of boyfriends Ooh. before oh. that. Oh, that sounds familiar. <laughs> oh, wow. What do you, what is it? What are guys' reactions when you tell them what you do for a living? If they don't know beforehand, have you ever had that where you go? Oh yeah. Okay. So what is the, what is the funniest reaction? Worst reaction? Um, I, I when I was doing when I was doing the whole dating thing, uh, dating, I mean, dating thing. our lives. This has been years. I'm an old married man now, but right. uh, um, yeah, back in the day, uh, I, I remember at first not telling people. Like I would, you know, people would ask me, and I'd say, "I work for a I work for a nonprofit." You know, like I, I would well, try, yeah, not, I would try to be as honest wrong. as possible without actually Big, telling yeah. them. Um, and then you know, with some people, if you got more serious, you realize you have to be honest with what you're doing, and um, and some people were. I, I was find I found most guys were like they didn't know what to make of it. They'd be like, oh, "Okay, um, you know, as long as I don't have to, you know, believe Even that or just, yeah." And and I never felt like the person I was with had to. Did any of them the become religious or become less more religious or less religious while you were dating them? One guy started coming to church with me. Wow, that, yeah. that's cute. And and he wanted to be supportive, and 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 he still goes to that church uh, years later. Um, one guy was just one, one guy was. I'm an atheist. I hate religion. And, but we were really into each other. And so, and we, we dated for a while and then we just realized this is just so not going to work because so much of my life is taken up with something that not only do you not share in, but you, you, but you, act, hate. you actively hate. Yeah. That is uh, extreme. Yeah. And I, I, this was, this isn't going to work. Of course. Right. And, and you know, it's just odd. Yeah. Other odd people, to date someone. I hate your profession. Yeah. That's essentially what you're saying. Yeah. Or your vocation. And not just, really. I hate it, but like I, I act, I think it's evil and mm-hmm. it's doing something really and horrible. And you are evil and yeah. creating. Evil. So how long did that last? Yeah. About 10 weeks. <laughs> about that <laughs> 10 days 10 days then 10 were, hours then there was a guys and you know there still is uh you know, that, that fetishize the whole thing and yeah, just so want to have can sex you wear your with you in a collar so i watched this porn the other day and it was mormon porn is very popular do you know anything about this i can't say that i do oh, okay <laughs> but mormon porn i went very, on Pornhub. Yes. it was one of the top videos it's mormon called mormonboys.com i think is the name shout out by the way we're gonna pro uh, advertisement yeah but that's like so yeah guys because fetishizing like, it what is happening in their mind that they're fetishizing because everything oh, stems the, from something i want to and i don't mean the i don't mean to i don't mean a pun but i mean it's the for, it's the forbidden fruit right it <laughs> really, really is, is. Yeah. yeah it's like you, you're not true. supposed to do that like i'm not i'm doing something naughty like i mean you know if you're just if if you're both totally okay with this then it it's it adds that it adds that sort of layer of yeah you're you're like we could get in trouble and and also put on the garbs yeah and i'm also i'm getting something that i shouldn't have right like you're not out in the gay community i mean maybe you are but like if you're if you're the religious guy you're probably not out picking up every night and so i'm getting something that no one else is getting it's exactly like the fetish of chasing the straight guy is that it feels unattainable yes so when you play what you can't have it's like the what reason like gold is expensive because it's It's rare rare. and that's that's the same kind of concept yeah so, so did Mormon, you ever get any weird buttholes? Were you I'm not on? sure it's as rare as as, as people think. But, yeah, but yeah. were you on dating apps? Uh, there really weren't apps at the time. Oh, websites? <laughs> but websites, yes. Okay, yeah. so do people write you and say, that's hot? Some people did, yeah. Some people. And then were, do you were, say, no, thank you? Or do you allow them to fetishize yeah, you? Yeah, that's what we're, yeah. It depends on how attractive they I are. Think, yeah, I think, that's yeah, always. Yeah, always. I, think I, let, I think I let some guy, I think I let one guy fetishize me. Yeah, um, of course. Well, uh, I've said that before. Like, I have red hair and like people fetishize gingers. Right. And like, 
I think it's funny, like, but some people would be offended by it. Like I've been thrown into bed before and someone got just stared at me and was like, whoa, like you got red hair. And I was like, so what? But that's the thing. I was I mean, like, but if sir, you're, if you're just if you're just wanting to hook up and have sex, that's short hot. term. If if you wanted to have a long term relationship, you don't want someone that's with you just because he thinks that your hair is hot, right? Correct. Because yeah, I feel like that's short lived. A fetish has to be short lived. Well, I mean, it's my it. best feature, really. But mm, I, yeah. I'm joking. <laughs> oh, I thought it was your blue eyes, listeners. He's got lots of other good Ooh. features. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, it's because that's that's gonna you're gonna get over that really quickly, right? But yeah. I had one guy who like who. And he would not give up. He literally wanted to have sex with me in my church. And I did you? No, okay, no. But I would want to do that too. Now that I think about it, but I, do I you wear the collar thing in my church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, have you had sex with that? Yeah, um, we were going to ask you that. That's a yes. That's no. a yes. No, I have not. No, but <laughs> wink, wink. I feel like there'd be, yeah. I I, I don't, I, like I can't. the ultimate forbidden to have sex in a church. That is like, especially yeah. if you've been oppressed yes. by that. Which, and, and you know, like, and it's I the think, biggest fuck you. You're like, eh. I, and I think that's what it was. I think, I, you know, it wasn't, I think it wasn't just a fetish thing. I think, I think for him, this guy, I think it really was a, cause he had actually come, you know, his background was in a fairly religious conservative household. Right. And he'd kind of rejected that. Um, and I think for him, it was sort of like the ultimate fuck you. Yeah. And course. I was like, I totally get that. I don't, I just don't want I to can't, be a tool. Yeah. I don't want mm. you using me just to say fuck you to your parents. Yeah. That's not cool. You know? Yeah, that's true. And I, cause then that would just be the time some elderly parishioner who's dropping off something for the garage sale exactly walks what we in. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're lighting yes. the prayer candle. And I have set Get the holy water and I have set gay equality in the church back, uh, you know, a hundred yeah. years. Yeah. So when people say they have a religious experience, what do you define that as? Because like we throw that term around when we say like religious experience, like for me, that's like usually like it's something anal, good orgasm, like anal lingus with dense scruff. And then I don't have to meet their mom. <laughs> that's my religious experience <laughs> but what do you feel like for you people define it as or what do you define it as is it, some, is it like a so too much reverence no scruff is part of it okay yeah. Easier, yeah um but like what is a real religious i mean experience? jesus had a sweet beard exactly. yeah no that's too and much you, no it needs to be that like number three on the thing because then it tickles oh my but have God. you seen the abs on most crucifixes yeah that's yeah. true it's because he's malnourished jesus no? is basically a hipster that's, he looks like a hipster on yeah. Green West. Yeah, I, I suddenly know what we're going to cut out of this. Yeah, yeah. He's getting a little red. Um, but what do people say? There's a religion. Like I had a religious experience. What do they say that to you? Because I, I, everyone just throws that around. What What do they mean when they say that to Correct. me? Like a miracle. That's what I think. I think no. I well, different things. I think yeah, maybe a miracle, um, uh, or you know, something. The answer to a prayer, um, or or just. I think a lot, what a lot of people mean by it is just, is it, is a deep, like a deep sense of the presence of God, however they understand God, that there's a sort of sense of, you know, I didn't feel alone. I felt like there was something there. I felt, I felt surrounded by love. I felt, I felt taken out or, you know, taken out of myself. Like you're looking at a something, you know, like a sunset or a, a work of art or, or an orgasm. I mean, there are reasons people shout out God, you know, mm-hmm. when they're having sex. And, right. and I think, because I think. Or it, when they do drugs. Cause or, like truly yes, like yeah. drugs makes me believe in God sometimes. Like when we did LSD, yes. like 
It was magical. I had no clue what to expect. Just the name Acid is, you're like, Acid? Mm. We did it. It restored, it truly felt like a spiritual experience because it restored the newness of youth and the appreciation for the beauty of the world that I haven't had for a very long time. And I'm sure some people get that with religion. Totally. Um, I think there's been a lot of studies done. We better do it soon. Well, there's been a lot of studies done on on like people using psychedelics and, and, and the connection with spirituality and does, and, you know, does religion work on the brain in the same way. And, and I, I'm not an expert in it, but there's, I think there, there's a lot of studies that sort of show there is a connection there. And I think what both do is sort of take you out of yourself and can, it's a sense of connection with something bigger. It's like, you know, feeling connected to, you know, to the person across the, the table from you in a really intense way, or I feel suddenly feel connected to all people or mm. the universe. And I think and that's ego, what religion your ego does. Dissolves. That's what it is. It's and I think at its best and its mm. healthiest, that's what good spirituality does is it, is it helps you move beyond your ego and your own little world to a sense of I'm part of something bigger. And I, and, and that, that both gives me a place in it. Like I'm, it, it shows me the importance I have, but it also, it's also a, a humbling thing. Like, I'm I'm not I'm not the most important thing. I don't have to be the center of the universe. There's something bigger than me and that I'm connected to and I think that's that allowing, transcendence is allowing is. love over hate. There's actually a moment I had the other day that where I was like I decided I knew it was like maturing as a person where I was like I want to bring love and positivity into my life over the hate that over and negativity that tends to overarch a lot of things. And how long did that last? <laughs> About literally 10 Five minutes. minutes. <laughs> because there was this other guy who has like a podcast, another gay podcast, and he... Oh, I hate that guy. Yeah, yeah. He had, yeah. he Fuck him. And I'm all about like... Jesus loves him. I'm not going to love all po- gay podcasts. I barely like podcasts in general. But like this guy had a gay podcast and he had really horrible things to say about me. They were untrue and they were really a reflection of him. And He's be- saying that on his podcast? No, no. He went on. Oh. He, he basically wrote really mean things about me on the internet. Oh, okay. And my instinct. We're used to it at this point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my instinct was to my instinct's always to come back harder because that's just like I'm a very defensive person and I like to like doggy dog but I was like you know what there's a limited amount of gay men I don't want to tolerate the infighting so I was like I'm going to go on his podcast and I'm going to give it a five star on iTunes and have nice things to say I'm sure it has terrible things in it Mm -hmm. but why would I care about that Mm. and I was like and it just felt nice to just do that Mm -hmm. did it also feel a little bit passive aggressive though no, I didn't write it in a way that was not like, <laughs> okay. I think, no. And I just was, I, I just Air wanted quotes, to kind of yeah. be like different. And I, yep. I feel like that's probably what people get out of spirituality is just like welcoming human connection rather than fragmenting and having your backup and always yeah. kind of like, cause that's how humans, you know, we want to connect. We don't, we're not designed to basically push into our opposing corners. Right. I think, I think, yeah. And I, I think mean, he probably thinks I'm a cunt, but whatever. That's, but that's him, right? It, it, yeah. It's, so you know, I think, who this is. I think that's what, I think that's what religion at its, at its best, it's at its healthiest. That's what spirituality, um, that's what love, that's, that's what all that's about is it's about recognizing there's, there's division and, and fraction in the world, uh, and that's causing pain and suffering and knowing that, there's there's an alternative to that and that you can be an agent of bringing the alternative in you know um that you can be a reconciler rather than a divider you can be a healer rather than a herder you can be a lover rather than a hater um uh and and i think that's what at its best people are are getting out of that that sense of connection and how do i um help help that connection you know 
I mean, that's what, that's for me, that's what Jesus was all about, right? Which is sort of, that's the foundation of my faith. That's what I want to be like. And that's his view of the world and his vision of the world is that's what I would like the world to be. But I know it's not, but I, so I can, I can buy into the world and become more like that and try to beat it at its own game, which I know isn't going to work. Or I can, I can opt to, I can opt into a, an alternative way of being and an alternative way of living. And I don't always get it right. I don't, I'm not, I'm a human being, you know, um, but, but at my best, I'm living in that alternate reality as opposed to the world as it is. Do you ever party? Do I ever party? Yeah. Not as much as I'd like to. No, I just like, I think about like <laughs> what it like, cause it, and total stereotype, mm-hmm. but like, do you drink? I do. Oh, you do. Okay. So like, do people outside of the blood of Christ, <laughs> that's not the best alcohol I have in the room. <laughs> no, I was gonna say, it's great. What juice. kind of percentage is that? Um, it's actually tends to be quite high in, oh, that's true, higher in alcohol like because more, pe- people like are porch. drinking it from it. So you, it has to be high in alcohol because it's, because it's got to kill germs. Yeah. All oh, right. Yeah. So what is like, what's, what's having a good time look like for you? Well, I mean, part of it is an age thing, right? Like I'm in yeah, my forties, like right? Yeah. You know, and it's, and it's changed over the years. And so for me, it, it tends to be, I've never been a, I've never been like a big crowd person. Like I, I, every once in a while I like to go to a bar and go out. Um, but, like I've never been someone that really loves crowded, loud places that just, it, I just get overwhelmed um, by it all. Um, so it, for me, it's, it's much more getting together with a, a small group of friends, having them over to like our, our place, having some drinks, having dinner. Um, my husband still likes to, he's more of a likes to go out dancing kind of guy than I am. I can be dragged out occasionally, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's, it's getting together with friends and, and friends that are not, they're not religious. They're not part of the church. We don't talk about that. Um, and it's just, it's just connecting with people in their lives, you know, like you anyone else. Drag them out. Yeah. yeah we'll get, only if you wear we'll the get collar. Up but only, <laughs> yeah. only if you wear the collar. We'll fetishize you. Is yeah. your husband religious at all? Uh, he, That's so no. <laughs> yeah, well, no, he's, he was, Catholic, he, he, he grew up Catholic, uh, right. had sort of rejected all that. Um, and, uh, he, for, so throughout, I mean, we've been together, what, 12 years now, married for six. Um, and so throughout our relationship, he's been supportive of me and he would come to church occasionally. And then when we got married and I went to the church I'm at now, and I knew I was going to be there for a while, I think he made a conscious choice. Like I have to be more visible and supportive because it, it also helps the congregation. If, if he's just an idea, but not a living reality, th- they don't have to deal with it. And, and so his presence and him being there most Sundays, he travels a lot for work. So sometimes he's not here, um, but he's there most Sundays. And, and so he, he, I think he's supportive of me and he understands the place that church has in my life. And he wants to be uh, supportive of that. Um, I, I don't know that he, he shares the faith in the same way that I do. Um, do you ever feel like you have to overcompensate a little bit to show people how legitimate your relationship is among the doubters? Yes. I would, okay, because I would feel like I would need to bring my partner and be like, look, look how great we're he normal. Is. We yeah. have dinner. Yeah. We're not sinful. Like, yep. like, and, and then, do and you sometimes ever, you resent that. Right. And yeah. yeah, because it's like you're doing the whole dance. And then do you feel like with some people, it's like, am I even going to ever break through with you? And, and do I care? Yeah. And there's some people that just, you know, some people, um, I, I think anyone who really couldn't deal with it or, or didn't, wasn't going to accept me and my husband, they've left. Yeah. Like they're not there anymore. Um, and those that are there are fine. Um, 
you know, and, and James is a, is a great guy. I think, I think people end up liking him more than me anyway. So he's, he's, a, had him he's a much too. nicer person than me actually. So probably Jesus likes him. I would him love to get his too. perspective though about like living in a religious household. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but I, I don't know that you would find our household really super religious, right? I mean, there are there crosses on the wall. There's a, yeah, we have one. No, that's <laughs> pretty standard. And it's just small and it's in, yeah. Um, but uh, I'm picturing like an exorcism every night. It's n- holy water. <laughs> <laughs> the power of Christ compels you. Yeah. I don't know. My my demons are too strong for that. Yeah. But, uh, um, yeah. No. So he's he. Um, I mean, I made it clear when we got together that yeah, if we were going to if we we're going to make this work, he would have to be able to deal with the church thing and and be supportive of it, and that uh, if if he was going to be my partner, he would be expected to be part of it to some degree, but I, I didn't. Um, so a couple, you know, three years ago, he was, um, cause he'd already been confirmed in the Catholic church. He was what we call received into the Anglican church. So he became a, like a, an official member of our church. And, but he, that was his decision. Um, that was something I did. I asked him to do. And, and I, and I said, I want, I always want you to be there cause you want to be there. Not How do you get received if you do like, you have to kill someone like a gang? Wrong group. First, first, uh, first rule of Anglican clubs. We don't yeah, talk, yeah, we about don't talk about clubs. it. Get it, do it. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but no, you just, uh, he, um, it, it was his decision that he wanted to make a formal commitment to, to our, my church. And, and so he did that, but he did that on his own. And I said, I never want you to be there because you think you have to be to please or me. Or cause that's what you want. Yeah. Know. And if you don't want to be there, that's fine. And, and actually in some ways I, I talking to other clergy, like straight clergy guys that are married and, and have wives in some ways it, in some ways it's actually easier for James and I, because I find the the heterosexual couples, you know, the wife often, it, they come as a package and the congregation sort of assumes, well, the wife of the priest has a job mm-hmm. to do here and she's, she's always in deference. Yeah. The man, and there's all these expectations, whereas yeah. James and I are kind of freed from that. People kind of, he's a, he's a man with his own job. So nobody lays those expectations on him. And she is such a fruitful, old school fruitful womb. Right. Yeah. 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 No one's expecting us to bring our six kids to the Sunday school, you know? Yeah. And so. those people Blessed be the fruit. Jesus. Um, <laughs> May the Lord open. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The last question I want to ask you is, um, do you ever have moments of doubt? Do you ever have... Mo- the, so this is my main issue with religion, and then I'll segue into this question, is that um, religion purports to have the answers to which to the unknown, to which something that's really, we have no tangible proof, mm-hmm. uh, say like the afterlife or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think there is a, the problem I have is there's an arrogance that comes with it. Cause I think that doubt is humble. Yes. Um, there's an arrogance with comes with certitude and saying that you have the answers. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever have moments where you feel like a, I don't have all the answers and B, there are big doubts I have about God, my faith, and uh, how do you wrestle with those? First, I think that um, I think faith and certitude are not the same thing. And and um, uh, you know, I've talked about, I've preached about this in my church. It's you know, I think doubt is part of faith because that's the whole nature of faith. Faith is I don't know, so I have to choose to believe. If I knew then, then faith doesn't come into it. It's yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I absolutely know this table's in front of me. I don't have to have faith that it is. Um, so I think doubt is part of faith and, uh, and I've never claimed that, that my faith gives me all the answers. I don't, I, there's lots I don't know. And I don't think I, 
and I think that's part of the the humility, right? Is that only God is God. Uh, I don't have all the answers and I, and I don't need all the answers. And that's also partly where my faith comes in is that I have faith that God has the answers, even if I don't. And he's not necessarily, he's not always going to share them with me. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm, I've always been comfortable not having all the answers. And I, and I've never thought that having doubt meant my faith was weak or lacking in some way. Um, but what are those doubts? What are those moments? Uh, you see catastrophe in the world and think, God, ha- what's the answer to this? What is the meaning of this? I never, I never doubt the existence of God. I doubt sometimes. I, I doubt the church a lot. Mm-hmm. I doubt the institution um, because I know we're not getting it right. I, I mean, you know, it's obvious we're not getting it right. Um, I, I've had doubts about my vocation. I've had doubts about whether this is what I should be doing with my life and whether I'm wasting time. Um, uh, and, and I, and I've, yeah. And so less and less as I get older, you know, I've been doing this a while and I, I can't imagine doing anything else, but, but early on I, I had lots of doubts. Um, I doubt, I have some doubts around some doctrinal statements of the church, um, about whether, you know, the way the church understands certain things and preaches certain things is really the way it is but I'm okay with the fact that maybe we're wrong on that. And if we are, I trust that God will lead us as the Bible says into all truth. And I think part of, I think part of a healthy faith is having the humility to know you don't have it all right. There's things that you're getting wrong and that you're going to have to change your mind about and learn. Um, and the point, the point at which you're, you believe you have all the answers and there's nothing more that you need to know and what you know, you know, with absolute certainty, I think that's a really dangerous place to be in faith. Cause that's where, as you said, arrogance comes in. That's where you feel you can judge. If you might be wrong, then you're a lot, you're a lot slower to judge because you might be wrong about that. Um, we might have, and that's where the people who stayed in my church, when I came out, um, those that, that struggled with it and, and weren't sure that they could accept that, but decided to stay they had the humility to say to themselves, maybe I'm wrong about this. You know, maybe I don't have it right. Maybe I'm not seeing this the right way and I'm willing to sort of learn and see. Um, and, and, you know, and so we've learned from each other. That's what I think healthy faith is. Mm-hmm. Are you touched, Bradley? I am. That was very moving. Yeah. My, my hands are totally over on the side of the table. So no one's. He's throwing touched. holy water in my head. <laughs> you abomination. It's the, it's the Lord's touch. <laughs> I asked I've our like, first guest. I was like, when did you know you were an abomination? That was like my opener. And he's just like, excuse, excuse me? me. I wouldn't call it that. Um, well, thank you so much for this. has been, I was going to say enlightening, but I feel like that's just like. Enlightening. No, that's like a Jesus term. Yeah, exactly. No, this has been really interesting. I mean, um, I'm, I honestly, especially because I was saying to you in the DM, like we have a lot of um, a Latin base mm-hmm. and tend to be quite religious. Yep. And so I'm sure this is quite helpful for them. And then Very obviously other people. conflicting place to be. Yeah, yeah exactly. You so try to resolve nice. it. You, yeah. you, you, I feel like you're like the 2019 mm. priest. That's what it is. It's just like you're mm. you're in the now. You're not living in these archaic. Well, you were saying about your podcast and I and I found this with my social media too. Like The, the podcast you listened to before the, you came the on? The only podcast that I listened to. The <laughs> only podcast. You actually listen to a tame episode because it's usually like... <laughs> oh, no, I listened to a few. I, oh, you did? Oh, okay. I, I knew what I was... I yeah. was a little nervous about what I was facing. No, no, yeah. Do you yeah. feel good uh, about what happened here? We don't I like do. to... It's context. Do. We don't like to trick people. Like we weren't going to yeah. like 
get high with you and talk about eating ass. Well, that, I don't think it'd be appropriate. That could be the follow-up episode. Okay. <laughs> well, it's wrong. Oh, he's open to it. <laughs> but no, I, I was just gonna say, like you, you had mentioned about you know, like that that people who are in a different place that that you know, it, the, the, your podcast shows them possibilities and and a, and, a, and a world and a way of being gay in the world that they can't even imagine and I, and that's what that's what I try to be for people especially around the religious thing it's like this for for a lot of people they can't even imagine being gay and okay with it and having an open authentic life and still be being a christian yeah. still being part of the church and and in a lot of places that's not possible but it is possible and but i want you are people in the to minority. have that it's like you give them hope it's nice. yeah 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 so thank you for that opportunity oh shucks maybe your what do you call them congregation maybe your congregation will grow after this episode perhaps perhaps <laughs> um well thank you so much for coming on this has been another week of shame on you podcast we'll talk to you next week bye hey did you like that episode of shame on you podcast if you did, we need your help. Go on iTunes, rate us, review us, and then subscribe. Or if you're a Spotify user, you can click the follow button. Even better, you could tell someone about the podcast. Thanks so much for your support. It's the only thing keeping us going. <laughs>